morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's the 1st of September, and it's Tuesday. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. What it's like on the ground in Kenosha ahead of President Trump's visit today. Plus, how to make a car sound like a car. But first, China's influence on Hollywood is today's one big thing. I've informed the Chinese government about the Meg. But if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA, then none of this matters anyway. We're the Wolverines, and we create chaos. We need to steal that weapon. I don't know if you recognize those movies, but that's The Meg, The Martian, and Red Dawn. They've all come out in the last 10 years, and they have one thing in common. They were made with some form of influence from the Chinese government. Today, we're talking all about the relationship between Hollywood and China and how one controls the other. The Chinese government, as I think everyone knows, censors everything. They censor movies and they want to censor foreign movies that are shown in China. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian has been reporting for Axios on how China has been playing an increasingly bigger role in American blockbusters. There's the obvious examples, like The Martian and The Meg, where the Chinese save the day. And then there's what's left out or changed. So World War Z, which is a zombie flick. In the book, the zombie plague originated in China. The author of the book meant it as a political criticism, basically saying that the reason that the outbreak of the zombies was able to spread throughout China and the rest of the world was because it was covered up in China. But in the film, they erased any mention of that. If we knew where this thing started, then we'd have a chance of developing a vaccine to stop it. That is especially interesting in our world today because the coronavirus was, it first broke out in China. And indeed, because there was a cover-up and because there was censorship, that inhibited the initial response and it spread to the rest of the world. And so World War Z in particular shows how some of the artful explorations of, for example, censorship in China are not being explored in some of the most high-profile ways in the United States. And the issue isn't that there aren't any Chinese villains. In fact, Bethany also spoke with Ann Kokus. She's a professor of media studies at the University of Virginia about how damaging those kind of portrayals can be. It's deeply dehumanizing when certain groups become the villains of choice by Hollywood studio films. What happens is a feedback loop in which U.S. foreign policy, particularly as it relates to the Middle East, can be very dehumanizing. And then when Hollywood studio films reinforce that, then it in some ways makes the case for more dehumanizing foreign policy in those regions. Americans are not being exposed to a variety of viewpoints that could influence our national discussion about China and even make it more nuanced. This influence is largely financial. China's box office is projected to surpass the U.S. soon and become the largest film market in the world. Access to that market essentially can make or break the financial success of a major Hollywood film. That's James Tager, who wrote a recent PEN America report on this very issue, titled Made in Hollywood, Censored by Beijing. He spoke with Bethany about how this need for American movies to break into the Chinese market has affected what movies get made. What major Hollywood studio right now would make a movie about what's going on in Xinjiang with the internment of over a million Muslims? Think of all the other stories that 
the Chinese government has no interest in having be told. When movies like that aren't made about China, it's denying many Americans the chance to participate on an emotional level with the things that Chinese people themselves have gone through, with the challenges that China is facing, and the challenges that the entire world is facing as China grows and becomes more powerful. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian covers China for Axios. We'll be back in 15 seconds to set the scene in Kenosha, Wisconsin, ahead of President Trump's visit today. Welcome back to Axios Today. Kenosha was something we did a good job when the governor didn't want us there. He didn't want uh, the National Guard, as you know. He was very reluctant, but I give him credit because ultimately he said yes. And as soon as he said yes, the problem ended. Mark Warino has been in Kenosha a lot the past week. He's a freelancer covering the region for The Washington Post. He's joining us now from Chicago via Zoom. Mark, can I start by asking you, what's the plan for today? So the statement today is the president will be touching ground about 12.30, and there's a protest schedule in downtown Kenosha at 1 p.m. Frankly, wherever he goes, there's definitely a big crowd of people who are both supporting him and counter-protesters. I think what will be different, it won't just be the numbers, but I think it'll be the tension that's happening on the ground in a very tragic event that now has become politicized by both sides. And we've saw so much coverage of the protests in Kenosha right after the Jacob Blake shooting and then immediately after that Tuesday killing of two protesters. But what have the protests been like since then? Since then, over the weekend, there actually were three marches in downtown Kenosha. One was held by the Blake family themselves on Saturday afternoon, and it was very peaceful. Sunday morning, there was actually a Blue Lives Matter gathering in support of the police at the same square. Again, no conflict. And then, of course, the big question is, will they be peaceful today? We just don't know. But we do know that the tension in that city today is going to be pretty sky high. And I think the main catalyst is Donald Trump showing up in the middle of downtown Kenosha. Mark Warino is a freelancer who covers the area for The Washington Post. Thanks, Mark. Stay safe today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The hottest new C-suite position for the pandemic is chief medical officer. Erica Pandy has been reporting on this for Axios, and she's with us now. Hey, Erica. Hey, Nyla. So is this basically like the pandemic version of workplace safety? This is about having a physician on the executive team to make sure that large corporations can keep their employees safe in the middle of the worst public health crisis we've seen in a century. Erica, what companies are we seeing hiring? So Tyson's Foods has a currently an open role for a chief medical officer. Royal Caribbean Cruises has brought on a chief medical officer. You saw cruises were a huge issue in the very beginning of the pandemic because they became, you know, a hotspot for outbreaks. And then meatpacking plant, I mean, at peak, there were 5,000 or more Americans who worked in meatpacking plants who were sick because these big companies didn't know how to deal with a crisis like this, and they just never had before. So this this new role for them is becoming increasingly essential when it comes to keeping people safe. Erica Pandy writes the Axios at Work newsletter. Before we end today, 
There's a new Ford Mustang, and it's got a very different look and sound. It's not what most of us are used to hearing from muscle cars. That's because it's an electric Mustang, and on its own, it's virtually silent. So silent, Congress has required any car maker producing an electric car to add sounds, because without them, it's a danger. So Ford has fabricated digital noises straight out of a sci-fi fantasy for their newest Mustang. When it's accelerating, when it's in reverse, even when it's not moving. That does it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter at Nyla Boodoo. And if you're a fan of Axios today, I would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. We ask because more reviews makes it easier for others to find us. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.